Hey everyone, are you thinking about getting into flipping houses? Well, this is your episode. We have Justin Colby, who has flipped over 1,500 homes in multiple markets, and we're going to learn some lessons from him, and you got to wait to the end because he goes into one epic rant that is worth the wait. You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join J.D. as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build a foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, everybody, we have Justin Colby on the line. Justin, I really appreciate it. I know that this is maybe a little later than you're used to when you're doing a podcast, but before we start things off, I wanted to make sure everybody has your contact information right off the bat. So I'm going to send everybody over to your website, which is thescienceofflipping.com, right? Yep, absolutely. And then uh, I know there's a ton of great content on your YouTube channel. So make sure you check out uh, youtube.com slash Justin Colby because that's at at breakneck one release a day. I mean, I I can't keep up with that. That's a lot of content. Absolutely. uh, I want to just be a go-giver and one a day is where I'm at right now. So check out my YouTube channel for sure. Justin Colby. Yeah, you, you say go giver. I gotta I always plug that book when somebody brings that up. That's like one of my favorites. Absolutely, you gotta. This is um I think if the world could if everyone in the world could read that book, uh, I think the world would be in a much better place, in my opinion. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just a it's just a great book. So today, you know, I I chatted and we chatted a little bit about the fa- fact that we could be all over the place here today, anything from wholesaling to flipping. And, and, and I think we we're going to focus on flipping here tonight. Yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about wholesaling, but I, I really wanted to give some people some tools and put them in the toolbox uh, regarding a successful flipping business uh, to do so. I'm always going to point them towards programs such as yours to uh, get it's, it's one of my, my favorite phrase is you can either put in that 10,000 hours or become an expert or find somebody to show you what they've done and have already made that investment. So I yeah. appreciate you've made that investment. So let's learn from me here tonight. Um, first of all, let's start things off with the concept of finding that deal and running those numbers, because I think sure. there's a lot of misconception and a lot of misunderstanding around what they should look for and uh, even around the neighborhood itself. Yeah. I, you know, so I guess let's chunk it down, right? Like I'll, I'll just talk about the neighborhood cause that's, it's a little bit more direct. So I try to stay in a neighborhood that has a value that would be a great flip and a buy and hold. And the reason being is if I'm buying properties in neighborhoods let's just say under 300,000 in my areas um, and drastically under that, like I'm buying houses in Oklahoma city for like under a hundred thousand. We soon will be in Milwaukee um, and then other parts of North Carolina, but they're all going to be well under 300,000. I focus on uh, areas that are under the median of that area 
So for example, I think the national median is like 325 across the nation. I believe that's about where we're at here in Phoenix as well. So I try to stay, you know, 30 to 40% below that number. So that's the markets I'm trying to hit. And the reason being is if I do a, a, you know, buy a home and rehab it, and then all of a sudden the market turns or something happens, um, it's going to be hard for me to really get hurt financially, right? I mean, ultimately, it'll still be a, you know, asset as a rental and I could just roll it into that. However, I want to flip it. Um, And so I want to be able to buy a home that also has enough age on it that I'm actually increasing a decent amount of value. I'm not talking about value adds like square footage. I'm just talking about increasing value. Like if I buy a 1950s home and it's an original home, that home, I'm going to create a lot of value simply by redoing the floors, redoing the cabinets, et cetera. You know, and that's the market I want to play in, you know, homes that were built, you know, 2010 and 15, am I really increasing value? I wouldn't know, right? Like the reality is like they may have oak cabinets instead of white cabinets. So can I paint those? Sure. But am I going to get like a big value add out of it? I don't know. Hmm. So with, with that being said, like, what are some of those things that a person should look for? I mean, you're, you're already talking about older houses, you know, 1910 versus 1950s. Is there a certain uh, age range that somebody should maybe consider first? Like, I, I understand what you're saying. In my neck of the woods, adding that value to a, an old 1910 farmhouse uh, can be difficult. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not actually in markets now. When I get into Milwaukee, I'll be in a market that has that age of of home. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not yet dealt with a home that old. Um, Phoenix is a very new city when it comes to that. Uh, Oklahoma City, I think we just actually wholesaled a deal in Oklahoma that was built in 1925. Um, So that's getting into that range. So, you know, I don't want to take on projects now. I say what I don't, but I also don't have the option. Like, there is no 1910 homes in Phoenix. So I don't even have the option to buy that or not. Um, and so essentially, you know, I'm trying to stick to something pretty cookie cutter. I like three bedroom, two baths. Uh, I like, you know, 12 to 1800 square feet. Now that is what everyone likes, by the way. So then we start talking about how competitive that market is. Um, now the one time I've gotten really financially hurt was when I tried to get into the upper echelon and I went into the million dollar plus area, uh, I got crushed and it's because I've never done that, right? I've done almost 600 rehabs in my 13 year career. I've been doing this for 13 years. And, you know, I went to that market that I underestimated what people wanted that specific home, uh, because it scarred me so bad. I remember the master suite was upstairs in that neighborhood and that price point. A lot of times you have, you know, individuals that like you know, master suites to be downstairs so they don't have to go upstairs. Mm-hmm. It, it actually became a, a pretty big issue um, to the point where we lost a lot of money. Um, so with all that said, uh, you know, the competition's there, but if you're doing marketing the way I'm doing marketing, I'm doing anywhere from twenty to $40,000 a month in marketing, uh, you know, I get my chances, right? I get my swings of the bat, so to speak. And that's what this business is as a rehabber or even a wholesaler. And I do both. 
you really just need the leads. You need the properties so you can make the decision. I talk a lot about this and I'm going on a tangent right now. You caught me at a good time. Uh, <laughs> I talk a lot about this. This is really an options game, right? Meaning if you understand there's four pillars to this business, marketing, sales and conversion, KPIs, tracking your numbers, understanding what moves the levers and what exit strategy are you going to ultimately use? And if you understand the options you have for exit strategy, wholesale, wholesale, rehab, or buy and hold, and then you can actually bring these leads in and basically sift through them to find the right lead for you for that, that exit strategy. Uh, it's not, there's no competition, right? Because you, you have a whole business that you have multiple exit strategies and just like anything, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't only be a wholesaler. Don't only be a flipper. Don't only just buy and hold. I mean, there's pros to all of it. There's cons to all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the more you can diversify your exit strategy, the more you can see profitability. And for someone who's educated thousands of people over the last, you know, eight years or so, uh, I focus on profitability above all else. Right. So, you know, this is something that you're probably constantly fighting then. I mean, how many students do you have come into your, uh, program that, have watched a DIY network episode and think they can do a flip in a weekend. Oh, everybody. So by the way, one of my students just left the industry. He, uh, against my, uh, advice, he decided to do a flip. He wasn't prepared. He lost his shorts and Mm -hmm. I did everything I could to help him along with this whole thing. And I told him, don't do it. And then I even told him like, you need to make sure your contractors have a line item bid. You need to know exactly what you're paying for before you even get started. Here's how you pay them. You give them, you know, 50% up front. Once they hit a certain benchmark, another 25. And then the last 25 is after like everything about the business. Um, long story short, he kept going over budget because he wanted new different things. It was his first flip and, oh, well, I want to change this to this. This will look pretty. Let's do a, you know, a, a waterfall uh, slab in the middle of the kitchen versus just, you know, an Island. Right. And then, so that extra 15 here and extra this and extra that literally is like, I lost so much money. I have to go back to work. And I, I'm like, dude, you're doing so well wholesaling. You had things on the tracks. You took your leap of faith. I told you not to not yet. Uh, and he just, yeah. and, and it happens. I mean, we've all, by the way, I don't want to highlight him to say people can't flip or you shouldn't flip. You absolutely should. And we've all had our losses. We've all had our L's. If you've been in this game long enough, you've taken an L. And if you are sitting here, if anyone's telling you they've never taken a loss, they've never lost money, don't trust them. They've done one flip. They made money. That's their experience, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you've done it long enough, there's just no doubt. Um, but I would tell you, you know, be conservative, know what you're doing, follow a, path, a program, follow a path, have a coach. Um, because the reality is, you know, if you've never done it before, if you've never done it at scale, there really is a secret to making it a profitable business. Sure. So based on that, like some of those people that you've talked to and, you know, they're, they're approaching you for that first time, like you've, you've mentioned this one student who, who obviously had a problem. What are some of those easy to identify pitfalls that you see the most common that people mistake just are mistaken when they, when it well, there's two that, that there's two that almost all the time. 
they go over budget. They underestimate what they the estimated rehab and they go over budget and or their contractor's really bad and screws mm-hmm. the pooch, right? And I've seen them, I would say 95% of the time it's those two. There's other things that come into play. Maybe they bought in an area and they didn't realize like two blocks down is a lot worse. And they, you know, they were comping from different neighborhoods, but they didn't really realize like that, you know, so other things can play into it. I need time you know, the market changes, stuff like that. But almost always uh, the holding costs kill them. Mm-hmm. And it's because they went over budget. They're asking for a higher price than they normally would have. It doesn't become profitable. You know, their hard money costs act, break their back, right? Um, and or the the length of the rehab and construction because their crews aren't exactly great. They're trying to do it as cheap as possible. It ultimately hurts them and costs them more money. Almost every time is what happens. Hmm. So, like, what are some of those numbers that they need to be aware of, or how do they how do they do some of that calculation? And I'm, I'm, and that's probably an episode in itself. But like, what are some? Yeah. Of the, some. Of I the think you know. Listen, if you can buy a home, um, I'm buying a mobile home to flip. Right, uh, close tomorrow, next day. So we're buying a mobile home. We're going to be buying it for uh, 69000 and we're going to put it back on the market for one sixty, and we're going to put about thirty grand into it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a smoking deal. Like, There's almost no way in God's green earth I can lose on that because there's only about twenty dollars to $25,000 worth of rehab on it. Right. Um, but in general, I think most flippers essentially will buy – at 80% of ARV. Mm-hmm. So if you know where your exit price is, by the way, this all comes down to you comping. Do you understand how to comp, right? 80% of ARV minus the rehab cost. And then essentially take another and then assess what your holding costs will be. Right. If you can assess your holding costs, so I, I always say six months, I don't care how small the project is, assess for six months. And if your hard money note is two grand a month, I'm making that up, attach another $12,000 discount to that number. So mm-hmm. 80% of ARV, which essentially gives them 10% profit, 10% to sell. You want to reduce your rehab, right? And mm-hmm. then reduce by holding cost. I made the number up with your two, two grand on debt servicing, but you still have, you know, other costs in there, right? Yeah. Between power, water, and ultimately taxes for however long you hold. Um, but the cost then of sale and everything else as well. Huh? Cost of sale and everything else associated with it. Yeah, cost of sale, I put it 10%, right? So the yeah. 80% really is 10% profit, 10% cost of sale. It doesn't typically take 10% cost of sale, but what will happen is you'll have what we call a binzer out here. And it's all the little, little things like, Oh, we need you to fix this and fix that. And, yeah. you know, there's usually about 1% of the sales price. You're going to have to go back in kind of fix up typically. Yeah. In our part of the world, it's an ICR inspection contingency report. Yep. Um, ours is a cost or something. I don't even know what it stands for. <laughs> so no, that that's, that's really good information. And it, I really wanted to stress that. And I'm glad that we went into detail there because I think a lot of people, uh, we, we run into quite a few people who are getting into flipping for the first time, 
And uh, they don't take into account all of those items that they should be subtracting from their offer. And the next thing you know, Mm -hmm. they're usually stunned that they have to offer almost half of ARV in many cases because of all of those costs that you were just talking about. 100%. And, And they just underestimate it, right? They underestimate the cost. What really can hurt is they definitely don't estimate the holding cost and debt servicing. They just will do like the formula, right? Which would be 80% minus repairs. Well, that's great. But when you have debt servicing of two grand a month and you have to carry that for six months, that's another 12 grand. If you're only going to make 20 grand on this, you're not far off from like barely getting by. And by the way, it's going to take you 90 days between you buy it, rehab it, resell it and collect a check most likely 120 and you might only make 10 grand because you miscalculated mm-hmm. 10 grand in 120 days. I mean, just go work at Starbucks. Yeah. Right. And that's what people do. And they, you know, unfortunately they're just not educated. And I tell this to listen, I'm a coach and I don't want this to come off too salesy, but I've done this for 13 years. If someone is not investing in themselves to get educated, do better business or level up or learn for someone that's been there, they're just not taking their business serious enough. Right. So um, before we go on to my next question, I wanted to remind everybody to check out your YouTube channel again. Go to youtube.com slash Justin Colby. And since you're there, you might as well look for my YouTube channel too, REI Mastermind Network. And uh, you'll have uh, Justin's video there here very soon, if it's not there already, uh, when you hear this. But So you said the second thing that they can lose money on is contractors. How do they pick a good contractor? The first suggestion I'll tell you is use someone that someone else has used before. Go through your network, ask around. And and if you are just getting in this network, I'd probably tell you to wholesale, right? Like get some money going. Like I love wholesaling. I wholesale and rehab to this very day. I wholesale, wholesale and rehab to this very day. Like I said, it's about exit strategies um, and I'm actually going to go pretty heavily into rentals here, uh, this year. But I say that to say, like, if you don't have someone that you can call and say, Hey, John, um, who was that contractor you did one, two, three main street with? Can I, can I use him? Can you give me his contact? If you don't have a couple of those people probably stick to wholesaling for a little bit, build that network. So you can have that. This quite literally is why I see most people go out of business. There was, um, uh, I mean, there's, there's contractors that just don't know how to run a business. They, they literally pay P- Peter to pay Paul, meaning they'll take on my rehab. They'll take on, you know, your, your rehab. Uh, I will give them 50%, but right now they're short on money for your rehab. So my 50% to start my job starts to leak into your rehab mm-hmm. just to get it done. Cause they're at the tail end and they're a little short, Right because they overpaid people because they, whatever they did, like, this is what I don't understand. They're just not very good business people. Typically are there good contractors out there that are are good businessmen and women? Absolutely. I have a crew here in Phoenix that are phenomenal, but you know, more often than not, and especially when you try to get a discount and do it cheaper, you get what you pay for. Right. And so I, you know, listen, I still flip. You can obviously tell I'm not like trying to sell you on flipping because mm. there's hurdles and you can get hurt. Right. And I've gotten hurt. Don't get me wrong, but I've made more than I've lost. Okay. Right. 
And so that's always the give and take. So uh, I would tell you flipping is great. You just need a system and a path to follow um, because this is this, that's where I'd get them. I would not go just like find John at Home Depot and say, hey, do you want to be my contractor or some of the other stuff I've heard from coaches who are like, hey, great place to find contractors at Home Depot. I guess, how do, I mean, how do you know? What are you verifying that by, mm. right? So, and then once you do find someone who you're feeling good about, you should probably have two or three of them, by the way. Once you have those two or three, you want to go verify their work. You literally want to go see work that they're doing right now and or did do. Um, I would tell you, if you are not hiring a licensed contractor, you get what you pay for again, do not do that. Yes, they're more expensive, but they can lose their license. So they want to make sure they can do good work. Um, you know, I just, you gotta be careful. You know, that's the reality of it. Right. Do you, do you find that you change your contractors from one project to the next or do you kind of stay loyal? I used to, I used to, the, the crew I have now is like a real full blown construction company. And so they, they worked heavily uh, when open door offer pad Zillow were all buying they were one of the like three groups here in town that would do all of their remodels. So they understand volume, they understand speed, they understand, you know, doing something wholetail ish, like kind of cleaning it up, repainting versus like full blown gut job. And they know that too. Um, so now it's just them. And like, it's, it's actually funny, the re uh, the mobile that we're going to flip, they won't do mobiles. And I'm like, no. So then I called my buddy who's flipped a bunch of mobiles. I'm like, Hey dude, can I get your contractor who you use on your mobiles? And he sent them over and, and we're going to use him. But, um, you know, I'm so like trusting of them because of the experiences I've had and, and know that are out there that I used to, when I was younger and maybe a little less structured, uh, mm-hmm. is, but now I just stick to the the right guys who do the right work. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked that is that we had a situation where we had a contractor that it almost got too comfortable and too familiar. And the next thing you know, it's, it's, uh, we found that uh, it was being taken advantage of, you know, checking in, checking out when they felt like it. And, and it seemed like uh, it was just a constant job for them versus, uh, so we had to go back to the bidding per job thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to coin a term here. You know, as people are doing this, how do they avoid what I'm going to call the flipping mirage where they're, where they're, uh, they get a job, they get the flipping, they think they're making a ton of money, but all they've done is give themselves another job and they've, Mm -hmm. they don't take into account their time and effort they put into flipping it themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the specific question? Cause it's a very, it's a, it's a reality for sure. Is there a question behind it? Yeah. Well, I've just noticed that a lot of people will, they, uh, they'll talk about how much money they made on it, but then they, you, it turns out that they've done all the flipping and they did the general contracting and they did all the handyman work themselves. And as far as I can tell, all they've done is paid their own salary. No, I agree. I mean, the interesting part is people want to be business owners Mm-hmm. Um, but then essentially they're making less than if they would have went and got a job. Like mm-hmm. they were, I think you said you're an IT, right? 
Mm-hmm. And there were some, they were working for uh, who's over here, um, Intel. Right. And they're making 250 grand a year. And they're like, no, forget it. I'm going to flip homes forever. And then all of a sudden you find them like working their tail off. They're working 68 hours a week. They do however many flips and they, you know, bring home in their pocket, like 125 grand. And you're like, you make more working your job now, lifestyle, other things, whatever, whatever, you know, listen, but it is, it's a funny um, thing. And it, I like it because I'm truly an entrepreneur. Like I've never had a W2 job ever. I graduated UCLA been an entrepreneur forever. So I love that, but I also don't, this is another thing. I don't think they get educated on how to be an entrepreneur. They just go for it because they see you or they see me and they see, you know, everyone else out there and like, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And they just go. And they're not, you know, listen, I was broke, busted and disgusted when I got into this real estate space. I walked away from $40,000 to credit card debt. My home went to foreclosure the repo man took my car. I had no car and I was sleeping on a couch and I was making cold calls a hundred a day. Cause there was no mojo and no triple line dialer. Um, and I borrowed $25,000 from a friend to pay for coaching. And it's because I knew I was going to be successful in this space and I was passionate about it. I believed it. I had conviction, but I also knew I don't know shit about this space. Right. And I needed a coach to hold me accountable, but not just hold me accountable. Show me a process, what to do, what not to do, right? And every year I continue to do the same thing. In 2020, I invested $85,000 of my own money into coaching. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I've been doing this for 13 years, guys. So I say this emphatically to tell everyone, invest in your future, invest in your business, invest in you, get a coach period, done, end of story. And if you think it's a lack of resources, that's just a broken money mentality. It's a lack of resourcefulness on your part. If I can be broke, busted, and disgusted, living on a couch, not even owning a car, uh, and borrow 25 grand from a friend, you can go get PayPal credit, or you can use a credit card, or you could call a friend and pay for coaching. But if you're not trying to level up then simply said, shame on you because that's what it takes. And it takes it year in, year out. The year before in 2019, I spent $35,000 on coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it goes on. I can't even tell you. I literally lost track on the investments I've made in my career because that's how much I value it. Because there's always someone out there. Now it's not all hundred percent on real estate. There's only so much I can learn about real estate. But it's about business, it's about marketing, it's about operations, it's, it's literally about becoming a better leader, becoming a better entrepreneur, all of that stuff, right? And so um, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I, I really am emphatic, like I hate the story I, I told you already about my student. Like I told them, don't go flip. And they still went and did it. And it's not because flipping isn't profitable, it's because they weren't ready. They just didn't have what it took, takes to go there yet, right? And there's a process to this. And, you know, Gary V, I'm a big Gary V fan. And he says a kind of almost like a double entendre, but he, he, he contradicts himself to some extent. Mm-hmm. He says life is long. You, have, you play the long game. Be patient with yourself. Um, but he also makes reference to like, 
you got to go, you got to move now, like you got to execute. Right. Um, and so it's a little contradicting, but at the end of the day, like I've been doing this 13 years and I'm still nowhere near where I know I can be. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the long game, baby. I told you about deals where I've lost money. Like I just need to make more and I lose and just keep going. Right. Um, so again, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about real estate investing. Uh, I don't know if I just went on total rabbit hole. Tangent, no, but that, was, that, was that was an awesome rant. And, uh, uh, we just we should just hit record and let you rant for an hour sometime. <laughs> That's the it. motivation That's my... there is is very high. I mean, I, I I can't agree with you more. I mean, it's and there's a couple things that I think that was especially something that that caught my ear is that first of all, I'm going to back up to the beginning of that where you were making a hundred phone calls a day to make something happen and to make something to implement something, to get things going. Um, I, I really want to point that out because I don't, I want, I don't want people to think that you're going to find a deal by just randomly calling one or two people a day. You were calling a hundred people a day. It takes that level of activity and action to make something happen. Yep. For nine months, by the way. For nine months. Every day for nine months to get my first deal. And what I really want to say too is that is that it's it's that type of action and activity that you really learn from. And I know it gets it's really uncomfortable to make those initial phone calls, but you can't tell me you're not going to make progress when you're making a hundred phone calls a day. Amen, brother. Amen. So and that's I think the last thing just to kind of finish the cap that off is everyone want something and they want to be good at it immediately. They want to be perfect. The real, real, real expertise comes from doing. Mm -hmm. You need to take massive action. Doing will be your best educator. Now, the reason why I'm so emphatic about coaching, investing and becoming better is because you're going to have a big learning curve by doing. Mm -hmm. So coaches hopefully have been there before can guide you around some of those big potholes that you're going to fall in. But you know, doing is everything. And in the people that don't achieve, I tend to see if I really audit what they do. It's just not a lot. And or they're doing and their actions are in the wrong position. They're going down the wrong alley, right? Um, they're not focusing on the right things, etc. But mm-hmm. do, 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 take action, take action, right? That's That's really the difference between the people that win big and the people that don't is taking action. And you can't be afraid to fail. We all fail you know how many times I've been knocked down to the floor, right? Like this, mm-hmm. you just keep getting up. Yeah. And I really think that it was important for you to, you were talking about, you're looking at a broader picture regarding where you're improving yourself. I mean, if you're, a lot of people get really focused on the real estate investing, which is great, but there is so much associated with this business that you can invest in. And, and you brought up market, marketing, entrepreneurship, business, a variety of things to improve yourself and to move your business forward. So take a minute to identify what's needed in your business and, and uh, get that proper training and education. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, you have to also want it, I think, in combination, right? It does no good to go get education by you or me or someone if you're like, I like real estate investing. Can't be a like. You need to like, I'm going to crush it in real estate. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to build a great business. I'm going to free up my life. I'm, you know, 
that's the passion that needs to come around it. Like if you just like something, you're not going to win. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to have passion behind it. You need to commit. Right. So right. I would tell that'd be another thing. So, well, I, I uh, promised you, I would try to keep it to 30 minutes. And I just realized that we are at that point, but I have a feeling you can, I, you and I could probably go for another half hour. Um, yeah. With that being said, I'm, I'm probably going to just let your last words ring in people's ears there. That rant was, was awesome. And I want everybody to rewind by five, six minutes there and listen to that again. <laughs> but right again, on. if you really, if you like what Justin is saying, and I can't su- push this enough, there's so much great content on your YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to check that out. Um, that alone is going to be worth your time investment. So go to youtube.com slash Justin Colby. I'm going to make sure to have those links in the show notes. Um, head over to uh, the science of flipping.com. Uh, there's a lot of information in that there, but, and uh, I would even direct them to you. Even, there's so much free content. You, you, you say go giver, uh, you epitomize that to a ridiculous level because there's a lot of free and great content in your private group on, on Facebook as well. So, I mean, I can point them in a variety of directions, Yeah. but uh, the last thing would be check out your, your podcast science of flipping. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of content there's, there. There's as almost well. 200 episodes there right now. I'm doing almost one a day. I'm doing an episode a day. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of now they're shorter. They're roughly 10 minutes each and every one, but I hit the topic hard and you know, have another right. topic. Today. Yeah. That's just a lot of great content. Um, again, I can't thank you enough, Justin. This has been a great conversation. Uh, like I said, uh, I'll make sure to have all those links in the show notes, but uh, I hope we can chat again sometime. Uh, you're quite the, uh, you get me riled up. Right on Jack. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. This has been the REI mastermind network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.